Welcome to the Fabricators Coach Podcast, where we believe that every fabricator deserves to have a business that not only makes the money, but also gives them time to enjoy it. In each episode, our goal is to share real information that you can take action on and use today, information that if you will use it, can help you reduce the chaos in your business, help you make more money, and help you get your life back. So our purpose is to discuss the uh, most recent article in Slippy Rock Gazette. As Mark was uh, asking a minute ago, if I've done these before, um, last probably about the last almost two years, I've been doing a monthly article in Slippy Rock. And um, then I, I try to do a webinar within a few weeks after that. Um, we got behind a little bit late last year, but we picked it up and done it pretty consistently this year. So um, I don't have a lot of, well, in this one, I do have some prepared content because there's some metrics we'll go through and some calculations. It'll take a minute. Um, but I really, I'm going to let you folks manage your own mutes. Uh, and then that way, if you've got a question, please interrupt me. The idea again is to have a, a good discussion so we can learn from each other, uh, answer questions, um, you know, see who's doing what, you know, all these things I think are important in, in peer-to-peer learning. I, uh, the article we're gonna review is um, the August article. It's called, Is That All This Data Is Good For? Uh, you can get a copy if you go to slipperockgazette.net, it'll be in their current issue online. Or you can hit uh, our website at fabricatorscoach.com, hit the blog menu, and you can get access to this article and, and a lot more. Uh, there are also some free tools and things there as well. This is uh, number eight in a 12-part series for this year. Um, I sat down at the end of last year when was putting together some plans for this year and got to thinking about how crazy the shop was that, that Teresa and I ran. Um, in fact, it uh, was in on the eastern shore of Maryland. So... Um, uh, Mark, not too far from you. Um, and, and we had the, what is a, a fairly traditional, you know, fourth quarter holiday scramble and rush. Not everybody has that, but I think most of the shops I've talked to have some form of that usually at the end of the year. And it was the time of the year that all the mistakes that we made off and on during the year just seemed to get more frequent and get a lot worse during that time. So I got to thinking about that and thinking, okay, so what can we do to to help fabricators kind of get ready for 2022 and make that holiday season better this year than it was last year. And of course, if you've read anything that I've written, or if you've heard me on a, on a podcast or, or anything else, one of the common themes, one of the drums that I beat a lot is this issue of working on your business and not just being an employee in your business. And the key is that the more you do working on your business, more you can improve your business. And the more you do of that, then the closer you get to having a business, it doesn't just make you money, but also gives you time to enjoy it. And if you can't do both of those, you know, what's the point? Uh, so um, that's that was the whole purpose of putting together a series of 12 articles for this year. Previous articles, we talked, we talked uh, some about the change process in a couple of articles, uh, how to use metrics like a sports coach, uh, pricing and, and capacity, those types of things. Uh, so again, you can hit fabricatorscoach.com and, and look at those. You can go to, um, if you want to listen to recordings of the ones from this year, they get, these things get put up on the Fabricators Coach podcast and the audio is up there. So uh, all that's available if you want to go back and, and see anything that you might have missed or want to catch up on. All right. So that's kind of where we are. <laughs> Looks like Susan's, Susan's getting back in here. Good. Um, 
So let me ask a question. How many of you are already starting to see maybe some really early signs of your business softening up a little bit? Maybe your backlog isn't quite as strong. Maybe your 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 uh, tra traffic on walk-ins for retail isn't as strong. Your requests for quotes aren't quite as high. How many of you are starting to see some early signs of that in your business? Yeah, we aren't in Washington. <laughs> You are or not? Are not. Are not? Okay. Yeah. Matt, you unmuted. What are you seeing? We are not slowing down yet either. Okay. Contractors that we come to and work with, they they're saying the same thing. They don't they don't see it slowing down anytime soon, but uh, I'm still waiting to see it, right? Right. Mark, how about you? Uh we're a little sloppy on our metrics uh, management tracking, uh, uh, which is an initiative uh, that I'm going to be digging in on. But, uh, um, well, new construction is going to slow into 2023. Um, so we'll hear about the builders taking less uh, uh, orders on new construction here eventually because of interest rates possibly. But, uh, um I don't know. I think things are still going. Uh, there may be some price pressure. Uh, there might be a little more scrambling. Um, we're, I'm going to start experimenting with lowering my price just to drive up my capacity, uh, which is just basically free money uh, once you break past overhead uh, and uh, and you have the capacity and the people to do so. So that's been an upward trend for us. So um there might be some price pressure coming, but we'll see. I think it's too early to judge. Okay. Susan, do you have a feel for whether you guys are seeing any, any potential slowdown coming soon in your business? Um, we are still very strong at the moment. Um, I do um, some reporting in our sales dashboard. Um, maybe not quite as strong um, as the second quarter, but um, – we are still rocking and rolling. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad, glad to hear everybody's business is strong. I hope all of you are tracking leading indicators like website traffic, social media uh, engagement, um, your, your walk-in traffic, your request for quote, that kind of stuff, because those leading indicators are really key uh, to help. And what it does is it helps, and this is something you'll hear several times today, is it'll help quantify your intuition on what's going on, be able to put some numbers to it. And those leading indicators are really key to help you get a feel for what your sales are going to look like, you know, several weeks to a month or two or three down the road. So what I'm seeing in, in the fabricators I'm working with is certain parts of the country are like you folks are still wide open and strong. Other parts of the country are starting to see some softening. And some of this has to do with the type of market that you're in. Uh, you know, if you're in a, say, a four, five, six, seven thousand dollar kitchen is your typical kitchen in a in what I would call an average house, um, then you may start to see a little bit of softening there. The higher end of the market doesn't seem to be soft yet. Multifamily is going wide open. That seems to be kind of a lagging um, that 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 trend tends to trail behind the residential trend economically. So. Um, the key thing is, is that, and what I think probably a lot of you may be thinking about being on here today is the fact everybody's talking about something over the next 12 to 18 months. Don't know how much of a soft landing, how much of a recession, when, you know, to what degree, but 
obviously, when you start hearing that, Mark's already talking about reducing prices. The, the thing that scares a lot of folks is if you think there's a recession or something coming at us and you know either you've thought about it and you've verbalized it like Mark has or intuitively you know that you're going to be pressured to reduce prices, you also know that you can't as your prices go down. You can't necessarily go back to your people and say, okay, instead of paying you $20 an hour, I'm going to pay you 18 now, you know. That would be that'd be a, a almost suicidal in this labor market. You can't afford to do that. Uh, so that your, your labor is not going to go down. Material prices have been continuously increasing. Hopefully that's slowing down some, but I doubt you're going to see a lot of price decreases anytime soon. So the net effect is that your your business gets squeezed, doesn't it? Your your margins get squeezed, your profit margins get squeezed, and it gets to be really tough sometimes unless you understand your capacity and you understand some of the things that Marx was going has talked about, and I'm going to be getting a little deeper into. Then how you manage that gets to be critical because either you're going to see your total sales volume start to decrease, same number of kitchens, same number of square footage, but total revenues down because you reduce prices. Or you're going to see fewer square footage, fewer kitchens because of less demand. And then you got to start making some tough decisions. And regardless of how you decide to approach this, one of the things, and we talked about this in, in the last, either the last webinar or the one before it, we talked about the fact that with the economy getting softer, you're going to, you really should start to spend money on marketing. Get out there and get in front of it. The challenge and the thing we talked about in a, in a past webinar was what's that marketing message? It's not just product at a price. It's got to be something that, that makes folks want to buy from you rather than the folks across town. Uh, but what you've got to do is start to spend money on marketing. Um, you need to spend that money. The question is, where do you spend that? You know, most of you from listening to you talk have, have been in the business long enough uh, to have some pretty good intuition about your business. The challenge is how do we quantify that intuition and use those numbers to help drive where we spend that marketing money? And so that's the thing that we want to really get into with our, our session today. Uh, let me ask you a question. And, and some of you may think this is a strange question, but I've got a reason for it. How many of you generate and review your business does monthly P&L statements? Anybody here who doesn't do that? Okay. All right. I do have a surprising number of folks who don't do that. Anybody here who doesn't do that? All right. For those of you who do, how well do you understand what that's telling you? How useful are they? For us, they're fairly useful. I mean, I can track my, uh, you know, my fixed expenses versus, uh, you know, my my costs that aren't fixed. So, okay, fixed versus variable. Sure. Okay. Um, to me, monthly P and Ls are challenging in a lot of ways. Part of the challenge is I don't have a great memory. So, you know, when I get a P and L about the tenth or fifteenth of August this month for what happened in all of July, it's really tough for me to go back and remember what all did we do in July? And how did we, you know, what what what, what were the things that happened that made that P&L come out the way it did? I've got a much better memory of what happened yesterday 
And so one of the things that P&Ls don't tell you and standard gap accounting struggles sometimes to tell you is how profitable was yesterday? Not just was it profitable, but by how much? Or if it wasn't, by how much? How are you doing so far this week? It's the 19th of August. What are you doing so far this month? And based on the orders you've already booked, the installs you've got scheduled and what you have planned for the rest of the month, what do you think the bottom line on your P&L is going to be for the month of August sitting here at the 19th of August? How much profit do you plan to make next Thursday? Those are some of the things that, that standard P&Ls and standard gap accounting, and gap accounting is generally accepted accounting practices, GAAP. Those things are really tough to, it's tough for those systems to give you that kind of information. And let me ask you, I, I asked a lot of questions. How much profit do you plan to make next Thursday? What are you on track for for this month? Can you predict your P&L for this month? How profitable were you yesterday? How many of you would it be helpful to be able to answer those types of questions? Very helpful. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what I'm finding talking with, with fabricators is that when we can answer those types of questions, we can now start running the business much, much more effectively and make some really good decisions. And I'm all, we're, we're going to talk through how to do that. Part of the challenge is Gap Accounting has got some flawed assumptions. I've, I've got experience in Fortune 100 manufacturing plants as a, as a coach and as a consultant, as, as an employee. And I've had to do things like explain labor and overhead variances for a $12 million labor budget each month and a $12 million overhead budget each month. And so I've dealt with those systems in detail extensively. You got to have gap accounting because the banks need that. The IRS needs that. Unfortunately, you know, there, there needs to be a standard yardstick to evaluate companies for a lot of reasons. So you can't get away from that. But the challenge is, as, as I've just talked about, it just doesn't help you make good decisions. So management accounting is the category of metrics we're going to talk about here that will help you answer a lot of the questions that I, I raised a minute ago and what I'm finding is it really tends to confirm the intuition you have about your business. That does it in a much better way than standard cost accounting does. All right. So I'm going to, if I can get this set up right, I'm going to do a uh, um, screen share with a whiteboard. Give me just a second to get this set up here. I got to stop the share first, then do a whiteboard, then do this. Ah, here we go. Okay. Now, everybody see my whiteboard? Yep. Good, good. Thank you. All right. So, <clears throat> you know, in the, in the countertop business, it's it's really an intersection of a lot of different things that are going on. We've got retail. We've got B2B wholesale. Uh, we've got... Um, uh, we've got construction, we've got interior design, and then we've got the whole template fabricate install set of activities. And that set of activities is much more like manufacturing. <clears throat> so I look at this business, this industry a lot as primarily a manufacturing business from terms of how we manage it, what we do with it. And with that, I want to do a, a quick, just a really quick, just a couple of minute 
explanation of some of the foundation of the metrics, then we'll talk about how to use those. But in manufacturing, you know, we've got our classic manufacturing plant. Everybody see that? Yep. Yeah. All right. And what happens in a manufacturing business is we have raw materials that come in. We have this miracle. I'm trying to do kind of a sun starburst thing here. This miracle that occurs. And then finished goods ship out. And that's manufacturing. Okay. So let me ask a question. Who determines what we pay for the slabs and sheets we make countertops out of? Who, who determines what we pay for raw materials? Supplier. So your suppliers, if they wanted to, to raise prices, they could charge you $1,000 a square foot and you'd still buy from them. Not exactly. <laughs> it's a trick question, obviously. Um, it's a market decision, isn't it? It's, and even though you, you may not feel like you can negotiate some, in, in reality, they can't charge more than the market will bear, all right? And there's also the opposite. If they charge too little, the market wonders if it's any good or not. So the market essentially sets the price that we pay for the goods that come in. And when you look at the finished products that we ship out, these finished goods, the market sets the price on those too, doesn't it? Okay. So if I do this calculation, let's call finished goods, let's call it sales price. I'll, I'll abbreviate that. If I take my sales price of my finished goods and I subtract this market-based number for the raw materials I bought to make those finished goods, from kind of that mile-high view of, of business, what have we just quantified? Any guesses? Manufacturing costs. Uh, was that Matt? Manufacturing costs. All right, manufacturing costs. That's really close. What we've done is since the market sets the the price we sell goods at, because we can't get a thousand dollars a square foot for finished countertops. I wish we could, but we're not. And we're not going to pay a thousand dollars a square foot for materials. So the market essentially has just quantified all those activities that happen inside that manufacturing plant. If any of you are familiar with Lean Six Sigma, there's a term called value added. And value added is all the activities that we do to turn slabs into countertops. All right, those are value added activities. Everything else is non-value added. That's a whole nother webinar, okay? But we've just quantified that. We put a dollar figure on it. That's the value that the market places on all the activities that we execute to turn raw materials, turn slabs and sheets into countertops. And the term we use for that is called throughput dollars. Throughput dollars, <clears throat> excuse me, is the cash that we generate. And so if we take an order and we do this calculation, we will get the cash that that order generates. Now, I'm using raw materials as kind of a generic term. There's some other factors we'll include in that if we did a real calculation, but for the purposes of this webinar, I'm just going to call it all raw materials. 
Now, there's a really significant factor that's missing in here in this calculation. If we're looking at all at key metrics to run the business, what might that factor be, you think? Overhead. That's part of it, yeah. It's really the cost for all those transformational activities and it's labor, you know, rent, utilities, you know, all your overhead costs. And we call that operating expense. That's the cash that we burn. So I can take, we can take several months of profit and loss statements. We can run through and pull out all these materials and these totally variable costs. And the other costs that are left are the is the cash that you burn every month. And on a month-to-month -month basis, that's relatively consistent. It doesn't change a whole lot, okay? You may have an annual payment for workers' comp or something that'll, you know, that'll, that'll bump you up one month, but or you pay bonuses at the end of the year may bump you up or something. But in general, over a representative time period, and sometimes that's three months, six months, a year, it depends on your business, and, you know, we'd, we'd have that discussion separately. But we can figure out on an average basis how much cash you burn on a month, monthly basis. Okay. So let me ask you this question. If I do this calculation, I take throughput dollars for a given time period, say, say a month, and I subtract the operating expense for that same month, what do I get? Profit. You got it. Dead on. Absolutely. Throughput dollars is the cash we generate. Operating expense is the cash we burn. And if we generate more cash than we burned, we're going to have a profit. Exactly right. And obviously, you know, if, if, if we have more than that, then we're, we've got a profit. If throughput we generate for the month is less than the operating expense we burn for a month, then we're going to have a loss. Another calculation we can do is we can take this throughput dollars for that month. We can divide it by the operating expense dollars for that month. Any anybody got a guess as to what that might be? Margin, not quite margin. I, we call it productivity because it's the productivity of money. If I have a, if I take the throughput dollars for a month, I divide it by the operating expense dollars for the month, the cash we generated for a month divided by the amount of cash we burned for the month, and I get the result of that equation is one What does that mean? That's your efficiency. Well, it's the efficiency of money. Yep. Agree with that. Um, but if I took, if I generated exactly as much cash in a month as I burned in a month, then divide the two, I get 1.0. Let's say that you burn $100,000 cash a month and you generated enough throughput of $100,000 a month. You divide the two, you get 1.0. That means you broke even. Break even point. Yeah, exactly. So if you take your throughput and you divide it by operating expense for last month and the result is a 1.2, what does that mean? That's a loss. Well, if you do, if you have if you have the cash that you generated divided by the cash that you burned, and you have a number greater than 1.0, then you made a profit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. And you can take what's cool about that is you can take that and you can drive bonus systems, incentive plans, and stuff like that off of those numbers. Okay. So that's fun. Um, the other thing we can do is we think about this business. 
regardless of how you get paid. Some folks, like on retail, they'll get all the money up front. Like when I go to Lowe's, buy something, I got to pay them up front for a walk out of the store. Uh, some do a half down, half on install. Um, of course, we do in commercial, you got different payment terms. But at the end of the day, in this business, the job's not done, obviously, until install's complete, but it's not really totally fully done until the customer's happy, right? I mean, that's that's the goal. That's the whole purpose of the whole whole deal is to make sure these customers are happy so that we can move on and deal with the next customer. Anybody disagree with that? I'll say a big amen to that. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's that's not a trick question. It's that's definitely the goal. We've got to finish that job. We've got to make that customer happy. And then we can score the throughput for that job. So we can do things like, okay. Let's say we've run the numbers and we've got the operating average operating expense per month for your business. And if we divide that by 20, 20 working days in a month, and yeah, I know some months have more than that. And sometimes you work Saturdays, but 20 is a good number because if we cover 20, any additional working days are gravy. Okay. So we take that and divide it by 20. And let's say your operating expense per day average is $5,000 a day. Now we can sit down and say, okay, today is Friday the 19th. Yesterday, we had two jobs that we had to install. We were scheduled to install. We finished both of them, and the throughput dollars for both of those jobs put together was $6,000. Did we have a good day yesterday or not? Our average cash burn yeah. rate is $5,000 a day. Yeah. We generated $6,000 in cash yeah. yesterday. Doesn't that mean you made 1000 bucks? Absolutely. Yeah. Now we've got a daily metric. All right. We can we can sit down and, you know, yeah, yesterday felt good. We finished both jobs. Both customers are happy. Great. Good day. How good was it? It was a thousand dollars. Good. Is that helpful to know? Yeah. OK. So we think about this whole focus on install. There are a lot of things we can do with this and I won't get into all of them right now. There's there's a daily, you know, first thing in the morning, stand up meeting. How will the installs go yesterday? If in one of those two jobs, we broke a splash, didn't have enough on the truck to finish the job, we had to come back to the shop, cut a splash. We're going to go back out today to finish that job. If that job, let's say that was the second job of the day, had $3,000 in throughput associated with it, and the other job had $3,000, then we want to have a rule like, okay, we don't score the throughput for that second job till that job's absolutely totally done. That customer's happy, right? That's our objective. Yeah. Now our score for yesterday was $3,000 compared to the 6000 we thought we had. Yeah. So was yesterday a good day or not? Bad day. You not a good day. Agree. You're in. Yeah. Now, the good news is when we go finish that job today, we'll take that $3,000, subtract that additional material that we had to make that splash out of. It'll come down a little bit and we will have, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a better day today than we had yesterday. But, you know, we're starting to track how well we're doing day to day and we know why things are good or not good. And now we have very timely information, don't we? Yeah. All right. And so a couple of things, you know, some other things we can do with this data is, when we look at materials as a percentage of the sales price of the job, what do you think you guys are seeing mostly in your businesses right now? How does that percentage look? Hi. <laughs> you got a number, a rough, rough guess? Uh, on that? About 27%. Okay. How about the rest of you? 
No guesses, huh? Okay. A lot of folks don't track it. Matt, you just unmuted. Did you have something? I was going to throw a dart at the wall, but it's just a dart. And I was going to say about 25 to 27%. Okay. If you guys are getting, if you're, if you go back and pull some orders and if you run the numbers and your materials as a percent of your selling price are running 25 to 30%, you're doing, you're good. If that number is above 30%, then your pricing may not be great. And I say that because as I work with fabricators around the country, that's a pretty consistent number for retail. Now, obviously with big box, it's going to be different, you know, multifamily, it may be different. But that's a really good metric to, to evaluate yourself by. It's a good benchmark to look at that will uh, will help you as you look at that. So you can use this information to start to evaluate how you set your prices. Is that helpful to you? Yeah. Okay. So part of what we, you know, we started off talking about the fact that we've got a recession of some sort coming at us sometime soon to some degree. And the fact we need to spend money to do marketing so we get out ahead of that. We don't have a reduction in in uh, in volume and we don't get as much pressure on pricing. Do, my question to you is, do you want to have marketing that's targeted to the market segments that are best for you? Or do you want to do a broad blanket and try to cover everything? And when I say market segments, I'm talking about retail versus uh, home builder versus uh, custom homes versus uh, big box versus kitchen and bath. Those are different market segments. Would you rather target a segment or would you rather just do broad brush and cover everybody? I think it depends on what your forte is, I guess. I'd rather do a broad brush and blanket okay. everybody with a little bit of targeted, <laughs> a little multi-approach is where I'm always a fan of. You want your cake and eat it too, in other words. Well, yeah. <laughs> we uh, in our shop we do i do so much we do some multifamily work i do some production builder work and we do some you know high-end custom work yeah. so we kind of do a, a and i do retail so I, i've got a broad brush we're painting with so which of those segments are the most profitable for you the high-end custom all right how much more profitable are they than some of the other segments i i haven't quantified that exactly yet but <laughs> okay. i but i but I know that, uh, you know, we, we do some, you know, six, seven, eight million dollar waterfront homes that the, I'm baffled that the people just don't look at the dollar and sign the check and go, here you go. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I scratch my head and go, OK, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, so, understand. We we yeah. the shop that we were in on the Eastern Shore. We had some estates we dealt with. And, and that's that super high end market is a totally different market for a lot of reasons. Maybe you there. Most folks, when I ask them this question, would rather know for sure which segment is most profitable for them, uh, because as you start getting pressure to reduce prices, if the if the market if your market segments start to soften up and you start getting pushback, knowing how much you can reduce them, knowing which segments you may be more inclined to reduce on versus ones you wouldn't, and being able to quantify that gets Correct. to be important. Okay. Correct. That's that's kind of where I'm headed. Yep. So we talked about in this industry, install is that critical in game, making sure that customer is delighted, they're happy, they're done. You can check that one off, go to the next customer. And so when we start looking at how do we evaluate market segments using the metrics that we've been talking about here to, to help us do that, one of the things we can do is to start tracking install hours for each job. 
And if we start doing that, then we can do things like take throughput dollars and divide it by the install hours. And what we'll get is a dollars per hour figure that says, okay, we can, you know, we can sit down with our throughput dollars per job and our throughput as a percentage of the sales price for job. And we know that, you know, retail is going to be a higher percentage of throughput for the job than say big box, for example. And we can go through and do those comparisons and, and see how they're working out. And we can look within retail or within big box and make sure those percentages are staying pretty consistent. And if they're not, we can make adjustments to policies and prices to address that. But when you start trying to figure out where do you want to spend money on marketing, knowing specifically which types of jobs generate cash for you the fastest can be really helpful. Because what will happen, and I've seen this in every fab shop I've been in, in fact, most manufacturing plants I've been in, this has been true. If I take this throughput dollars per install hour and I graph it, and then I go and I draw a line at that operating expense per hour, because if I can figure out operating expense per month, I can divide it by 20, get operating expense per day. I can take operating expense dollars per day, divide it by eight hours, even though you run some longer days, I can get an average operating expense per hour burn rate, right? Yep. And so if I do that and I track throughput dollars per install hour on this axis, I have my jobs here. And if I sort a batch of jobs, 20, 50, 100 jobs, and sort them from highest to lowest by throughput dollars per per install hour, I will always get a graph to look something like this. And I want to put some numbers on that. We said, okay, 5,000 a day we, was our example for operating expense per day. Let me get my calculator out. 5,000 divided by eight hours is $625 an hour with a fictitious plant. That means I'm going to have some jobs down here that will be less than that. That will almost always happen. I'll also have some jobs up here that may be in that. I'll also have some up here that are like 1500 per hour, 2000 an hour, crazy numbers way above the 625. And so if you're going to go spend your limited marketing dollars, and I say limited because you don't have an endless supply of them. You want to get the most that you can for them. Where do you want to, what, what types of work from this graph do you want to get the most up? The 1500 an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty easy decision, isn't it? The question is, what's the difference between these jobs and these jobs? And that's where you got to start diving into your data, do the calculations. Some of it is the way your pricing structure is set up for, say, retail, you know, high-end retail versus big box. Those will be obvious. But even within high-end retail, you will see a fair amount of variability when you do this type of, of checking, Okay. Any of you who are really good with Excel, you want to do pivot tables or power pivots, you can have a lot of fun with this data. If you're really good and you can do Microsoft Power BI, or you got somebody you know who can do that for you, you can graph this stuff out. The key is understanding what the numbers and the graphs are telling you, because as you walk through this, you'll start to understand it's not just retail versus big box. It's also the distance that you drive to jobs. If you've got some jobs you go to that are two hours out, hour and a half out, whatever, you know, that's part of that install time. Those are obviously going to be low on the graph, but then you want to take that geographic area and you want to compare the jobs within that geographic area to see what kind of variability you have there. Mm -hmm. So understanding, you know, you'll, you can start to compare material types, you know, quartz, granite, porcelain, quartzite, marble, the whole bit. You can compare market segments. 
How many of you deal with contractors or kitchen and bath eaters, for example, and some of them are really easy to deal with and some of them are just a royal pain in the you know what? <laughs> I'm, hearing, I'm hearing some chuckles. We all have that, right? So the question is, when you take, let's say you've got 10 contractors you deal with, and let's say two of them really, you almost hate to see an order come in from them because, man, you know, it's going to be a chore to get those folks happy. And there's always something that seems to go wrong with their job. Well, that's going to probably show up in your install hours for those jobs in many respects because of the callbacks and because of the things you got to go back and do. Well, now you can start comparing for those 10 contractors and see where they start to fall on average on this graph. And maybe those two that are really, you know, intuitively, you know, they're not as profitable. You may decide as a, as a business, you don't want to lose them for any reason. And it's your business. It's your decision. You've got reasons for that. But maybe you'll do things like mark their jobs up a little higher. You may give the other eight contractors your typical install Monday, uh, template Monday, install the following Monday lead time. But these two that are problematic, you may do a template Monday install two weeks later on Monday. You know, you may or you may change their payment terms to something shorter. You know, they're, they're all things you can do to help make that less of a pain to start to reward your business. And at some point, they, you may even cause them to self-select that and go do something else, which, you know, a good competitive advantage is to inflict pain on your competitors. And if these folks really are a challenge, maybe it's a benefit, okay? <laughs> so We've just and, done that exact same thing. We have gone through a list of vendors and had our sales staff uh, rate them. Uh, as A, B, and C based on some of these very things and that uh, difficulty to deal with um, throughput, all of that went into their rating. And in times when we are very busy, those customers that are A customers, they're going to get the preferential treatment. Fantastic. Did you guys actually use some of these specific metrics to do that ranking? Uh, we do do uh, throughput, um, and that was one reason I wanted to sit in on this because throughput was a brand new term to me when I when I came here. Um, we do look at throughput, and I've been investigating in our fab shop um, our our square footage per man hour, uh, not equated it back to throughput yet, but just to kind of see, you know, that, that goes a long way and how much money are we spending in the fab shop uh, for labor. Um, so, yeah, and I'm digging into throughput a little bit now, but yes, our sales staff, our sales staff is very good with throughput. They calculate estimated throughput for every job. And then at the end of the job, we go back and calculate actual throughput after good. we've had any callbacks or such. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to know, yeah, we were we were doing uh, some of that, and that was new to us, rating some of those customers um, and and using those metrics. Excellent. It's great to hear you doing that. I, it's something that I rarely run across a fabricator who does that, so I'm really glad to hear that you guys are doing that. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah, it's that. It's having this data. I mean, if you didn't have the data, you're doing this based on, you know, somebody likes a customer, doesn't like a customer, sometimes influences that evaluation because you don't have numbers. Um, you know, you, you got a, a contractor or a kitchen and bath dealer who in the last month or so has had some turnover. They've been tougher to deal with. That could influence the rating. But if you got the data, it's a much more objective analysis. And that's one of the keys. And I find, again, working with fabricators that when we put this kind of data together for them, you know, using your numbers, then it helps 
put a number to that intuition that you've got. And when you start doing things like, you know, what kind of work do I want to get? Things are slowing down. What's really interesting is when you look at the difference between $1,500 an hour versus something less than $600 per hour, obviously that's a huge swing. But there also is the argument that can be made for if the market's slowing down and if you're going to put fewer jobs through your shop, is there a way to set your business up so that you can make almost the same profit, but with lower volume? Well, if you can get a whole lot of this, <laughs> the argument's there. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to fess up right up here up front, making the shift from this kind of work to that kind of work is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do. A lot of factors that go into this. I'm just talking about data now. That's one of the major factors you would use in making your decisions. But obviously, the more you can shift that, the higher the impact's going to be and, and the better opportunity you've got for surviving whatever's going to come at us economically. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Is this helpful if you can figure out how to do this in your business? Yes. And I actually read that article and uh, honestly, it was like reading Chinese. So now that you've explained it here on the whiteboard, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, now I know what he was talking about. So yeah, there's only so much I can do in a thousand words. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yep. All right. Any, any questions on this before I close the whiteboard? I got a couple of minor points to make on the, on the slides and presentation, but any questions on this before I close the whiteboard? No. All right. I'm going to close that up and we're going to go back and get the presentation back up real quick to make a couple of quick points. And then we'll, we'll be at the end of our hour here. All right. So that's the, those are the, the metrics. And again, this helps quantify your intuition, gives you good data to work from. We've talked about the difference between management accounting, gap accounting. We've defined the metrics. We've talked about, you know, being able to figure out, did we win the day yesterday or not? Can we predict how much profit we should make tomorrow based on how many installs we've scheduled? And that's kind of interesting because when you think about the scheduling function in your business now, your scheduling function is determining how much profit you may or may not make next Thursday. So that's something interesting to keep in mind as well. We talked about pricing and then about quantifying your intuition and how we'd use that on market segments. Any, any questions about this part? One of the things that's, that's important, you know, as you look at the, I mentioned as we started off that in previous webinars, previous articles, we've talked about marketing and the fact that if you're putting just product at a price out there, you're doing the same as everybody else. If you take, Go, go pick a handful of uh, fabricator websites, countertop websites, and they all look pretty much the same. You've got to differentiate yourself. And so that marketing message, that marketing identity is critical. And that goes, that marketing message needs to be different for each one of your market segments. So if you're going to pick not just one segment, but two or three in that higher throughput dollars per hour range, you need to make sure you got the right message for the right segment. But all these, and the reason I make that point is that when you start running the metrics, the metrics are great. They can help you a lot. No, no, I think everybody agrees with that. The challenge is you've got to work that with your marketing identity, with your marketing message. It's got to match with the channel you're going to go after so you can hit that $1,500 per hour or whatever that high-end metric is for you. And that all has to pull together. Uh, those are key things to really make that work for you. And those are the things I really think fabricators need to be doing to get ready for what's coming at, at us. Some of the past uh, articles 
that um, that deal with some of these same topics and get into a little bit deeper into some of the calculations. I've got those up here on screen. You can get those, again, at Slippery Rock or at fabricatorscoach.com. They're there. Um, we've got just a minute left. Sometimes I get some questions that pop up after the articles. People come in and say, hey, what about this? What about that? Um, one, one question I get a lot is, is can I really predict my P&L before the month is out? Yeah, obviously. Um, we, we've walked through the mechanics for that. If you've got a backlog of work, you're sitting at the middle of the month, like here we're at the 19th of the month. Uh, if you're booked out on installs through the rest of the month and you've been tracking these metrics up till now, you can sit down, look at what you've got scheduled, and you can get a feel for what August is going to look like as far as the bottom line of your P&L. And you've still got a few weeks to make changes in your business to figure out how to make it better. And you can do that starting at the beginning of the month. You can do it at the middle of the month. So now you can start being proactive and driving your P&L rather than reacting to it. Uh, I look at, a, at managing by the profit and loss statement as kind of like driving by looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking at where we've been, so hopefully we end up in the right spot. And that's that's tough to do because I've I've tried to do that in several positions, and it's really tough to do. Um, another question that pops up a lot is, you know, why would I want to quantify my intuition? Well, hopefully, if you didn't sleep through this, it's pretty obvious that the value of being able to put metrics around this so that, you know, a, a preference for working with somebody versus not working with somebody else because of something that has nothing to do with business. Uh, this takes that out of there, takes that prejudice out of there, whatever that personal uh, deal is, and lets you look at the numbers that are the best numbers for your business. So that's that's really the the, the purpose there. Um, anytime you want to just talk, you've got any questions, you can hit the hit the website. My contact information is here on screen. Reach out to me. Uh, the next article that will come out uh, 1st of September is what's the best solution? And it's about making changes in your business how to make those changes so they improve your processes, get good solutions, and especially how to make those changes stick. How many times have you made a change in a process, improved something, solved a problem, and then a few weeks later you walk back by and say, wait a minute, didn't we change that? Or didn't we already fix that? So if you ever had that situation pop up, look out for the next article in Slippery Rock because it'll come out first of the month and you'll see that. So I want to thank you for taking your time out of your Friday and spending some time with us. Hope this has been helpful for you. All right. Thanks, folks. Have a great thank weekend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fabricators Coach Podcast. If you've got any additional questions about this particular episode or anything else, please check us out at fabricatorscoach.com. Thanks. Have a great day.